0: Hello there.
1: Don't have a good day. Have a great day.
0: Talk to me, Goose.
2: Gracious.
1: You're to steal the Declaration of Independence. Why oh, so, so. World. I could do this all day. Are you watching closely?
0: Welcome, everybody, to the One-Eyed Film Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Mossberg, and I got my friends Alex and Max with me today joining the podcast for the first time. How are you guys doing? I'm good. I second that opinion. (laughs) So we just saw Jesus Revolution last night. We pre record these so it might have been a couple weeks from when you're hearing this but we all really liked it and thought we should do an episode on it and introduce these guys to the podcast for the first time. I'm excited to hear their opinions on it. What did you guys think of the movie?
3: I thought it was a pretty good Christian movie to be quite honest because they weren't really shoving the Christian agenda down your face like other ones do and I kind of like that about those types of movies
4: i'd say the same the toughest part about christian movies is they're trying to push the gospel and in this movie i I think that was pushed but not it wasn't shoved
0: agreed what i really liked about the movie was that it showed a very real world some complaints that i have about other christian movies which i will cover in a future episode is that they don't just don't show an accurate depiction of the world whether it's Christians who don't really have problems or just an inaccurate view of the outside world, the quote-unquote sinners of our world, it, it kind of assumes things. And this one was at least based on a true story and had a good start for where it was going. Or, you know, it it could look at what actually happened in the 60s and 70s, but on top of that, it just made the characters real. And with Greg Glory having an active part in this production, he was able to at least advise on the story. I don't know how much of a hand he had in it, but he definitely was a part of the production.
4: I think the best part about the movie was I didn't feel like there was a main character. I mean, Greg was supposed to be the main character where you could tell that there's a bunch of storylines going on with each person within the movie. Honestly, until the end, I didn't really know that Greg was supposed to be the main character, which honestly sometimes can be a bad thing, but I think this movie did a really good job of showing each point of view of each person.
3: Yeah, I would actually go back to Seth's part where the movie like showed a bunch of different problems that people can struggle with, and I liked how they like showed it with Greg when he was a hippie, with, when he was just in the car, and he's like, I don't want to do this anymore. It's just not right. I kind of like that scene.
4: And so many times in Christian movies, I think that when you go see it, it's like they're trying to make you feel good, like trying to get you to feel like you're a better Christian because you went and watched this movie. I feel like this movie was really good about, like you were saying, Seth, that uh, it's not... It's not like a feel-good movie, but there's struggles that we all have that they showed happened in Christians' lives, even when they just got changed. The main, or not the main character, but one of the main characters, Lonnie, Lonnie Frisbee, I think, <laughs> is one of the best names I've ever heard. Uh, <laughs> that's the, yeah, that,
3: that's Lonnie
4: was saying one. that he he struggled with drug addiction too, and it's not it's not just easy to get right out of it. And then also just his sometimes your pride gets in the way, and and that that was a big big vocal point in the movie where I think he learned at some point, but he he didn't see that he was just being prideful and that pushed him out
0: yeah at the end of the movie there was that section where it said that they reconciled where chuck smith and lonnie reconciled with each other which is good to know but there was a video by Alyssa childers that i will link below for you to watch just the, just the first couple minutes where she talks about it the rest is filler for her episode but it is great if you want to listen to it. She actually even has a talk with her dad who is in the band Love Song. Like he was one of those guys in the band Love Song that was presented in the movie. So he got to see the movie and basically see himself or his representation of himself. Obviously he didn't have a big part in the movie but he was technically in it. But what she talks about is the frustration she had which I agree with. There was some technical differences with the actual story actually happened and the story that was shown. They didn't mention that Lonnie died from STDs, they mentioned that he died at the very end, but I think that's acceptable to be taken out. It just kind of allows a little bit more respect for the character, at least when you're watching the movie. When you finish and you learn that, then maybe you're like, oh yeah, I I can kind of see that with everything that went on in the 60s and 70s with the hippies. There were some differences with how Chuck's church was before the hippies came in. His daughter says... It feels like when you brought the hippies and Jesus came in with them, and that feels like Jesus wasn't at the church before the hippies came in. So that was kind of a dramatic line that I can kind of understand what the writers meant by it, but it was inaccurate in to the point where it kind of at least for what Alyssa said took her out of the movie i didn't mind it i didn't catch it the first time like in that way but i can see your frustration with that
4: the other frustrations that she had was just like i think the church at that point there was definitely some churches and there is some now even that just push the the push the narrative like we're going to church this is our time to spend time with god and then you come out of the church and that is that point where like you're not really with god anymore and i think what she also meant was that when you're going into church you're bringing people in that might not know jesus they might love jesus for all their life but it it's it's a place where god should be and god isn't just in the church which i feel like she could have been saying is like they went in and god was there and then when they left that he wasn't with them anymore i think that's what she meant is that she was growing apart from god because of how the church was handling a bunch of different problems at that point
0: i can understand that yeah
4: there's a there's Also, just a problem in the movie of with the deacons or the elders or whatever you want to call them that when they let the hippies in, that they thought that the church was going to basically break down just because of the hippies coming in, which also is a problem today. There can be a problem with we're not letting certain people in. I don't know what people group that could be now, but there's definitely problems today with how we how we see people and how we perceive people.
3: Yeah, I like how the movie said that anyone can accept Christ. It's not just the yeah you, it's not just the rich folk or just social accepted social accepted people, yeah. It's just anyone, including the people that people look down on.
0: And I think the biggest point of the entire movie was the part where Lonnie is explaining to Chuck that the the young people of that time, the hippies, are looking for God. They're looking in psychedelics. They're looking into meditation and not even alcohol anymore. They've left that in the dust behind them. They desire truth and they desire a purpose for life. And they're trying to fill this God-sized hole with things that will never fill it because only God can fill the God-sized hole. And Lonnie saw that and he was preaching to them on his own and then joined forces with Chuck Smith to make Calvary Church and bring all the hippies in and make them feel accepted and say, here's the truth. At least try this. That's what Greg tried. He kind of tried it to see... You know, here's the next best thing, but it actually stuck. And that's what we should try to do is not only make an initial impression and kind of get them on that high of Jesus, but then make it stick and make them realize that it's real. It's different than a drug or anything else that just gives temporary satisfaction and then it stops working. Jesus is a real thing that can really change your life like is shown in the movie and hopefully is evident in our own lives, but to show that it's real and is the real way is the thing that fills the God-sized hole is God himself.
4: And there I think one of my favorite lines of the movie was along the lines of when Greg was talking about just like how he he felt it and he knew that it was real, but he didn't want to be let down so bad so he walked out and Kathy had to come out and just like say like, Hey, if if this isn't real, we're gonna go through this together and we're gonna figure it out because there's so many times where people are just let down by so many things in real life that it's so hard for them to actually feel the love of Jesus and feel like it's actually gonna stick because they're so scared at that point of coming down from that high like you were saying and it's it's just it's tragic at some points where it's so hard to hard to think about them being just I have to take more and more and more and more and more until it finally stays and then when it doesn't stay they're just so let down by it.
3: Yeah. They also went into Greg a lot with his backstory with his um parents and how he basically took care of his mother even when he was like ten. I just liked how they just put that in there and that he could lead the church at the end of the movie even though he went through all of that
4: it's not like he was trained to be a pastor or anything it was like it was literally just the spirit leading him into that time and i think that so many of us now think that like you have to have so many credentials to to talk about jesus and it's really it's not you can you can talk about it from the age of 2 to 98. There's no stopping point. There's no starting point.
0: I mean, we were just talking about this at lunch where sometimes a getting a degree in ministry is so ridiculous because you don't need a degree to tell others about Jesus. And yeah, it helps. There's, there's good training and information that you can consume through that process of getting a degree. But at the same time, don't let that limit you. It was a little bit different back then where Nowadays, if you want to lead a structured church, it's assumed that you've gone to seminary and have the credentials to be a pastor. And yet Greg didn't have any of that. He was able to become a pastor and just start leading a church. That's not to say you can just go start a church without a a head leader, but I would encourage our listeners not to let anything get you down from sharing the gospel. you are perfectly capable. If you need more information, there is a lot of information out there from stand to reason, cross examined There are a lot of apologetical information and resources out there for you to gain wisdom from in order to then share it with others.
4: And it doesn't have to be something where you have to watch something and then you have to say exactly like they did. There might be points that you think really stick out that someone else in your life might need to hear. There's so many times where I'll hear something and I'm like oh, I should have said that to someone. You know, it's like ah that that one person I need I need to tell, but there's so many other people in my life that I could tell too that probably need to hear it too. Going back to the movie, I think that honestly, as a hard critic, if I was a really hard critic, I would say that this is a this is a well-made movie. But some parts I felt were like very dramatic at some points. When Greg gets baptized and accepts Jesus for the first time, he gets put into the water and they do a scene where he is just in the water looking up at the light from the ocean that he's fallen like 30 feet into. And I, at first I was like, okay. And then I was like, this is a little bit dramatic. I know that it's a big step in his faith and everything, but I just felt like that was one portion of the movie where I was like, this is a little bit much for me, but I don't know how
0: you guys feel. I feel completely the opposite. That was the best scene in the entire movie. <laughs> I might have shed a tear, I'll be honest. Both times that I saw it, I've seen it twice, but it was dramatic but to a point. It's supposed to feel a big step like you said. And I don't I personally don't really remember what it felt like to be baptized. It didn't feel like that. It didn't feel like being underwater for a long time, but that that feeling paired with him right after that riding his bike into the sunset with the wind in his hair. That kind of paired together just is a sense of freedom that they were trying to communicate through the movie through visuals and it, it is kind of a freeing thing and maybe he felt as if time stopped and was like this is where the rest of my life begins and that was that would be great but I think the way the movie handled dramatic scenes like that was sometimes over the top but it was to a point and it was for a good reason
4: yeah I I didn't dislike the whole scene I I liked him just being like i don't i don't know what's going on and him just walking into the water talking to Lonnie Lonnie saying that he prayed for him and he was he was praying for this moment i just thought that that scene was like a little bit much but there's nothing wrong with it per se i mean there's definitely people that go through so much that have just those god like they just see god in those moments and there's nothing wrong with it i just i thought it was a little bit over the top but that's totally fine it's just my opinion one thing i liked
3: about that scene is that it wasn't in like a conventional place where they got baptized it was off a riverbank i'm pretty sure Mm -hmm. and it just shows that it doesn't need to be in like a church in front of people it can be just your family there to see you get baptized it doesn't actually
0: just Mm -hmm. kind of really cool like that I had the privilege last summer to baptize one of my campers at the summer camp that I worked at. And it was a really amazing experience to just walk into the lake and baptize the young man that I had been talking with the whole week. And it was really spiritual moment between him and God and me and him and all that. The thing about them baptizing everyone in Pirate's Cove is that at the end of the movie, like you saw... They still take trips with thousands of people to go baptize them at that same point, which would be amazing to do. Just have that large group of people all unified and understanding why they're all there for the same reason is to declare to the world that they're believers.
3: Yeah, and like even the
4: people from Texas came. And that's pretty far away. <laughs> oh, the
0: violence. people from Texas. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I thought it was great at the end of the movie when when they're literally just talking. Chuck and Greg, and all of a sudden, Greg walks walks away and gives him the keys and says, this is this is your time to start your own church. And it was like, you, you knew that it was going to happen, something was going to happen because it was the end of the movie, but I mean, based on a true story, I don't know if that actually happened, but that, I could definitely see that moment happening in real life where Chuck is just about to walk off, and all of a sudden, these guys start coming down, and they're just like, hey, is this, is this the place that the baptisms happen, that people just get dunked into the water, and all of a sudden, it just gives that Greg that, that door to just open and walk right into that it's not like he needs to it's not that he needs to warm up into being a pastor it's like boom you're there you got to start you know and sometimes God just pushes us into those moments where you might not think that you're ready but God just uses you where you're at I liked how they use the art imagery throughout the
3: movie like Greg was an artist the entire time and at the end like you said when Chuck handed him the keys he's like here's this church and I think I see a great artist who can make it a really great thing
0: Hmm. What did you guys think of Lonnie closer to the end of the movie? The the frustration that he felt, the frustration we felt on, was Lonnie legit? Was he playing it up for the audience? We don't know his heart, in the real Lonnie, but assuming that that's how the they first split was that difference of Lonnie wanting to be more of a showman for Christ and making it more about himself rather than about Jesus. What do you guys think of that?
4: It's so hard. Sometimes to really know someone's heart because he might have been it it was tough for me even during the movie thinking about it because there's some times where it was like you could tell that he was doing it for God and everything was for God and He was fully committed to God But there's also some points where he was just you could tell at the at the end where he was just he wanted the attention of everyone and there's a scene in the movie where it's it's dark Greg can hear someone talking outside and he walks downstairs and he looks at Lonnie. He's right by the fire. and He's saying, God, please don't leave me. Like, please, please don't do this to me. Don't, don't forsake me. And I think that th- that happens so much in our lives with, The ups and downs, and we think that God's not there, but He's actually right by our side. And I think for Lonnie, it was really tough, just because he really thought he was on the up and up, and this was what it was supposed to be. And all of a sudden, it came crashing down again. And I just don't think he was ready. I don't think he was ready to let go. And when he finally accepted that this wasn't the place that he had to be, I think it really turned him back to God, which is just so hard because so many times during our lives, there's going to be up and downs, and sometimes you're not going to feel like God is there, but He's. He's always right by your side. Yeah, like you said, Lonnie tried his best to be as
3: good of a person as possible as he could. But at the end of the day, we're only human. So he just couldn't strive to be that. And, well, it did hurt him.
4: But he was just trying his best. And, yeah, just didn't really work out for him. I think it's really tough to look down on him because I think so many of us struggle with the same things yeah. with, with pride in, in our daily lives that if you're, if you're going into that movie and looking at him and saying like, Oh, he shouldn't have done that. He was doing so well. And there's no, there's no way I would have done that. It's, it's like one of our bosses says that we work with, you know, he always says like, if you were alive during Jesus times, or you would probably be a Pharisee because of all the things that he was saying, but it's just, it's, it's so tough sometimes to, to look at someone and just say like, I I know that that you're struggling, and I am too, you know?
0: Do you guys think that he placed those people to be healed? Do you think that he picked uh, miracles to happen that couldn't be proven? Or do you think those were legitimate? Because the first scene I found very empowering and crazy to watch because there there very well could have been healings back then in this time where the word of God was spreading and the gospel was spreading to others. It could have been very possible that that happened, but it also, by the time the second one came around, it was kind of obvious that he was faking it so that he would get the attention. So I had the thought, what is what if he planted those people in order to be healed? In that case it was it was a uh, very deceiving on his end. And obviously we knew that he he kind of wanted that attention. But did do you think that he went to those lengths with what information we know?
3: I think he did because when he got kicked out of the well, he didn't get kicked out of the church, but they made him so he couldn't really speak anymore he still got up and is like hey i can still do these miracles watch me but he's like but chuck's like no you sit down it's not your turn and yeah
4: i i would i would think yes i wouldn't say yes because i (laughs) i can't confirm that i don't think that it's one of those things that we will ever actually know because we can't prove it now because Lonnie's gone, but it's, it's one of those things where you could definitely say yes. You could, you could feel it wholeheartedly, but you're never actually going to know. And it's one of those things that you just kind of say, I mean, it could have happened, but the main message that Lonnie was trying to send was a good overall message, which is, it's tough to take stuff out of that, you know, pick apart it, but.
0: Yeah, it was kind of meant to cause tension, even with the audience, because all, most of what Lonnie said was very true. And that's where you want to side with him. But then you also understand Chuck's sentiment in this has this is turning into the Lonnie Revolution, and Lonnie even said at one point his his pride spikes, and he says this revolution wouldn't happen without me. And Chuck <laughs> said, "Well, in that case, you're out of here because that's that's not who it's about. It's about Jesus." And it was tough to see that second time when Lonnie stood up and said, "I, I feel like there's someone here who needs healing." And Lon- uh, and Chuck sits him down and says, not now. It almost feels as though Chuck is saying no to the spirit because that's what Lonnie's argument is. Lonnie is saying you're putting a hold on the spirit and what he can do and this healing power that is real. Like, I believe that miracles happen, but at a certain point, maybe Lonnie realized that he could use it to his advantage like so many people do. That's, that's where a lot of the difficulties with the gifts of the spirit happen is people can fake them, and you can't technically argue because, yes, they exist, but you can't prove that, and so some people use that to their advantage, and I do wonder what had actually happened back then with those people, and we will never know, like you said, but it caused tension in the movie, and I think it was used well, and made you think about, like, whose side am I on? Am I on Chuck's side, who wants order and some control o- over the situation? Or am I on Lonnie's side, who wants the spirit to move, really let run free and let, let God do what he, what he will?
4: And at one point, Chuck did say, like, I think that you're using the spirit for your own good. Mm-hmm. Which is just, I, I had never thought about it that way at that point. Like, Lonnie was doing good, but Chuck was seeing that it was his own good instead of God's will Mm -hmm. at that point where the spirit might have been moving and he might have been healing people all of those people with the spirit but if Lonnie's heart was not in the right place then it's really tough to say that it was for good one other point is that when I was watching the movie at first when they went to the rally for all the hippies and they were singing and hanging out and having a great time when Greg first met Kathy I honestly thought that the speaker when he was up there was almost talking about Jesus. Like, I was a little bit confused on what he was talking about, but it reminded me that so many times the devil is going to use stuff that is so close to what Jesus is actually saying, but then just twisting it and showing that it's just a polar opposite at that point because it's so easy to think that it's the right thing, but just sprinkle in some lies.
3: Mm. Going off of that, my family went to Haiti once, and there's a bunch of things that had, like, the gospel in it, but, again, like, they twisted it, like there's this one fortune place that's like Jesus can tell you your fortune but it's like no it's not Jesus telling the
0: fortune no. because the but truth yeah. the truth is attractive but when you are attracted by the truth and then given falsehood or lies that's where it's dangerous so if they were lured in by that by the by the truth even with this movie they were lured in by the desire to know God but the the lie is that it's through psychedelics and through drugs and that's just not how that works and that's where Lonnie saw that they needed to be lured in with truth, and then given the truth, given what they're actually looking for.
4: It, I, I totally agree. That's That was what I was exactly thinking, is that they, they were lured in with the truth that someone loves you and it's all about love and we need to love people, but then just given that, that high that they really, really wanted, they wanted that high to feel good, and all of a sudden it just came crashing down. Kathy's sister was on drugs and they were just in a drug house, and all of a sudden you can just see that she gets dizzy and faints and she's going to die because she's choking on her own vomit, which I think would be just the worst way to die. And then all of a sudden, Greg figures that out and sees it, and he snaps out of his addiction for just for a second and sees what's going on, what's going on, tells her to flip her over, and she finally comes to and she's like, oh, that was awesome, which so many times I feel like you're just trying to play it off to be cool and you don't actually want the best for yourself. So the quote that I pulled up is from, it's from the Narnia Chronicles, it's from The Silver Chair. If you haven't read it, I would strongly suggest reading it. But Puddleglum, who is one of the characters, they are down in the the Wicked Witch's place. It's called the Underworld. They they can't see any light. They're underground. And basically, she had put them in a trance. And Puddleglum walks over to the fire and puts his hand in the fire. And he snaps out of his, his state. And he basically says, even if these four people down here aren't real and nothing that I've, I've thought of about the real world even exists, that real world up there, it licks this one hollow. Which means that he thinks that even if that real world up there isn't real anymore, he still wants to die thinking that it is. Which so many people in this life are thinking that this is the only thing that they have, and this is the only place that they're ever going to be. But even if heaven isn't real, I'd rather go to my death thinking that it is because it licks this one hollow it's way better than anything that we can imagine on this world yeah i always go back to that quote because my dad tells me all the time but the reason why i like it so much is just because we think sometimes that the high that we have in this life if we if we have a runner's high or we go on or if we have like such a good experience with someone or something that that is like the best it's ever going to be but heaven is perfect and that is the only place that we really should be because it's it's so much better than this life. And sometimes I just need to remind myself of that. My point is that when Greg was on that drug high and he finally, and Kathy too, but he finally sees the wrong part of it, either when he's in the car and that guy's just swerving all over the road, or when he sees that his mom is on a drug high and and then she kind of comes down and just lays in her bed for a couple days. Or when Kathy's sister is throwing up, even if the drug high is the highest that it's going to be going to heaven is way better than anything else that you could ever experience. I think that's why he got so scared because there's so many times that he, he had been let down. There'd been so many times that he had been given an opportunity and then all of a sudden it just got ripped away from him. If that makes sense to anyone. When Paul Glum puts his hand in the fire and says, even if everything up there is not real, I still want to believe in it. And the way that Greg walks out and is so scared and Kathy just says, even if this isn't real, I want to try it because I like it so much.
0: And there is truth that then they were able to experience, which was a big part of the movie.
4: Another point that I've struggled with with Christian movies is just how the critics rate it. I was looking before and it, it's like a two out of five on most sites or it's like 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. If you ever see a Christian movie, I always go to the audience score and never to the critic score because of the fact that they're not... I just don't think that they're judging it on the right basis. I usually don't even care about critic scores, but especially for Christian movies, the lower it is, it seems like the higher audience score it is, which is kind of funny to see the polar opposites of how critics
0: rate. But I do think that... Christian movies have been on the uprise. The Chosen is a good example of this. It has almost no attention and yet it is the biggest crowdfunded TV show ever. It's doing really well and it's just being ignored. This movie somehow is in almost every single theater and really being accepted at least by the audience but Maybe the critics are dogging on it. I haven't looked at that yet. And don't assume... Again, we encourage on this podcast for you to do your research on a movie, watch it if you need to, and judge it for yourself. It's it's really up to you if it's a good movie or not. What the critics say can be wrong because they may not have the same belief as you do, or audience may be wrong because we live in a broken world just judge it for yourself and see what you think we really liked the jesus revolution and would highly encourage people to go see it even if it's got drugs in it
4: <laughs> if you had to give it a score what would you give it out of 10 and why you get 30 seconds okay i'll rate this one i'll say a seven it wasn't that bad
0: <laughs> it wasn't that bad it was for me it was a nine out of ten there were some inaccuracies like it's like i said for a Christian movie. It really had solid production, solid acting. It didn't seem cheesy at all. I really liked it. But knowing that there were some inaccuracies that they could have fixed and chose drama over that brought it down a little bit for me. But it was still really good.
4: I would say it was an 8.5. When I first watched it, I gave it an 8. I would say it's better than I thought, even after I watched it, because of the fact that it's so relatable. Mm. It's so, like, I could watch that movie three times and, and find something each time that I like about it.
0: And actually, we have a special guest. I know we just introduced these two guys, but I talked with some family friends of ours, the Norse who were hippies and were affected by the Jesus movement. And we're gonna transition into our conversation with them and what their experiences were with what actually happened and their perspectives on it. All right, I'm here today with Donnie and Faith, some family friends of ours who had a personal, firsthand experience with the events that were portrayed in the movie, Jesus Revolution. And I'm excited to talk to them. Yeah.
2: Hi, we're here. <laughs> <Hello>. Good afternoon.
0: <laughs> Would you guys explain a little bit your personal experience that happened back in the 60s and 70s, what, what you lived through, and what happened, and how that time and what was shown in the movie transformed? your life, or I don't want to put words in your mouth, so what, what yeah. were your experiences?
2: I'll, I'll start, um, because it kind of started with me going to, I was attending uh, California Lutheran Bible School in Los Angeles um, in 1971, and uh, we had some friends in the Bible School who told us about Calvary Chapel that was in Costa Mesa in a little church, and there were we were told there were a lot of hippies going there, and it was... Um, uh, just an exciting thing to see and experience, and we and so we started going on Wednesday evenings um, because being being in school, we had other we were busy with school and um, Sundays we had. Uh, I was in the choir, so we didn't, you know, we had to go other places. So Wednesday night was the night that we went to Calvary Chapel, and um, Donnie came into the picture in. February? Yeah. Okay, February and, and, of 71. You tell about how, just how you and Dave. Well, in, in the
1: winter of uh, 1971, my twin brother and I decided that we were going to uh, go on a little road trip. We hitchhiked to California and uh, from, from from Northern Iowa, but before we were getting ready to go uh, my brother had pictures that a friend had given him from Time magazine, and and that's actually the magazine that was written during the movie, that that guy that was doing the photography there, and it showed pictures of Lonnie Frisbee and the hippies and the uh, baptisms and some of the things that were going on at the services. And, and my twin brother showed these pictures to me before we left Northern Iowa, and he says... You know, when we get to California, we got to check this stuff out. And uh, my thinking was, you know, being a, a so we were both sophomores in college at the time. Um, we would tried almost everything else. Uh, we were smoking dope and, and using drugs. And um, so we thought, my, my first thought was, well, we better check it out. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We tried. We tried a lot of things. So. Uh Then we got there, and our the friend that had given him those pictures, I don't know what he was doing. He was in L.A. too right then, and he, he got us a place to stay, and uh, we, we stayed there and started interacting uh, just a little bit with the, the people at that Bible school and then the people at Calvary Chapel. Or Lonnie Frisbee and Chuck Smith were very uh active in both uh, at that time there so we actually saw him in person and
2: yeah it was mostly um, lonnie was really doing the preaching on wednesday nights and um it was a lot it's just jam-packed you know and this was right at the beginning when um calvary chapel was held in a little church and the in the movie where it portrays the old the established congregation being there, that is what had happened. This was before we started attending there. Um, but we'd heard stories about, you know, some of the people objecting to the hippies coming in because they had bare feet and they had new carpet and they didn't want their carpet to get dirty. And there was just some, you know, some uh, offense taken by that. And, and uh, Chuck Smith had said, you know, you know, they're welcome here. And, um so some of the some of the people left when the hippies came in. Some of the uh, conservative established people didn't want to stick around. So um, so, but it was mostly Lonnie Frisbee on um, Wednesday nights. Um, the music we were really drawn to the music, the Jesus People music, because it was so different from traditional Christian music and hymns and things that we had grown up with. And this was very contemporary, and it was you know drums and guitars and. Um, we loved the, we just loved the music. Uh, Love song was the the main song group, um, and they are portrayed in the movie. Um, so we, and there were many others, but they were kind of the the focal point there. Chuck Smith was also, I mean, he was he was the head pastor, and he was the, you know, he was kind of the kind of the father figure. Um, for all these all these hippies coming in, and very um, intentional in his um, Bible teaching, and it was all through the Bible, verse by verse. That was what, you know, no frills, no, you know, not a lot of complicated things. It was just going through the Bible, and these, so many of these kids had not had any exposure to that, so it was all brand new, and so many 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 salvation uh kids getting saved and um it was just it was so amazing because you could sense the holy spirit in a very powerful way it was there was no doubt i'd never felt i had never felt anything like that and um there's no other there's no other word for it it was it was the holy spirit it wasn't it wasn't a bunch of sensationalism and, and uh, um, it was just very genuine so that's what so we went there and we we kept going back um well, at least weekly um, when we could and, and you continue
1: on tell what happened well after after a couple of visits um my twin brother decided that he wanted to to uh join the crowd and and so he asked Jesus into his heart. And um, at that point, we still had a stash of stuff that we were using, and he flushed it down the stool. and and I, and he, then he told me about it. I thought, well this is pretty serious now. <laughs> and uh, so I just kind of sat back and I, I watched him and I and I watched the other things that were going on there. And um, I kind of held held back for a while because I thought I'm going to make sure this is real. But then there's this uh, I'm an identical twin, and we are fierce competitors. And I thought I got to try this Jesus stuff. I got to find out if it's real. Um, and as I as I sat under uh, the preaching of the word, I realized that I was a sinner and I needed. Somebody, I had debt that I owed in that capacity, and I needed somebody else to take it away because I couldn't make it on my own. And um, so I surrendered and um, did a 180 and started going in the other direction. That was 52 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, it's, and Jesus has never been a disappointment. <laughs> I'm sure I've disappointed him at times, but he's been. Uh, everything that, that uh, the hippies were, so we went from this symbol, you know, that was the symbol of the hippies piece to this one, and one there way. was only one way, and that was a big part of the movie. I don't know what has happened. That that symbol has kind of gone away, but we've been using it like crazy now since we've seen the movie <laughs> a couple of times too. Yeah.
2: yeah. But as far as the accuracy of the movie goes, It 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 was very very accurate. Um, Just a couple of things that they had changed. um, It was Chuck Smith's son and not daughter who brought Lonnie to their house. But Lonnie, you know, it's Lonnie did come and moved right in. You -hmm. know, along with some of his friends. And and it was Chuck Smith's wife that was really compassionate for the hippies and just. Because she would look outside and she would see all these homeless kids and they were on drugs and they were just, you know, aimlessly wandering. And she just really, her heart was compassionate. And so she just said, you know, Chuck, we need to help these kids. We need to do something. And that was kind of the start. So she was she was kind of the impetus behind that. And see, I can't think of, well, and then those water, the ocean baptisms, that was, that was, <laughs> That was accurate. I mean, there were thousands <laughs> baptized.
0: Did you go to Pirates Cove at all?
2: We did not, because oh. it was it. That started after, or shortly after we were when we were going there. I think. I don't know if it was right right at the beginning that they did that, but, but we never did go there. Mm. Um, nice. But we heard stories, and we and and then there's there's footage um, in the in the movie from the actual baptisms. You know, that's that's where. There were just so many life-changing things that occurred there, and there were healings, physical healings. Um, some of the services we were in, there were, you know, people just getting getting healed, just sitting there in the services, and um, you know, just a just a real openness to whatever God wanted to do. And mm-hmm. we were privileged to be a part of it. It was. Unbelievable.
0: Faith, did you ever have uh, the same? Did you ever find yourself in the same situation that Donnie did, uh, that was um, drug related, or was that just not part of your story?
2: I was not. I was, you know, raised very conservative Christian home. I was not a hippie, (laughs) Uh Uh, but I was attracted to this one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Did you meet down in California?
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was. We were. Go- I was attending school with a friend of ours who grew up with them from Thompson, Iowa. Mm. So they had come out there to visit Tom, and Tom introduced me to Donnie and David. So that's that's where it all began.
0: Did you guys ever have any personal interactions with the characters from the from the movie, either Lonnie or Chuck or even Greg? I doubt Greg was around much. In
2: no. Mm-mm. Okay. I, I I just remember. I remember Lonnie because he was you know because he really stood out yeah a very charismatic character and um, um, but you know we didn't we didn't personally meet meet any of them but mm-hmm. he he was bigger than life
1: mm-hmm. it, it, it <laughs> was wall-to-wall people when yeah. we were there sitting
2: on the floor we were just it was just crammed in I mean if the, the fire Marshal would have, <laughs> would have tried to close the doors <laughs> but um, yeah. you know. This was right at the beginning and then eventually they you know they, they grew from from 200 to 2000 within six months i think was the wow. statistic so then they built a big tent and then the tent was overflowing and then they you know built a, a building so so we never saw that we weren't there for the tent we were only there at the very beginning um and greg Glory was he did draw those cartoons, those tracks that you see in the movie. Mm-hmm. I remember those. I, and I remember, you know, people handing those out. And I remember his caricatures. They're very distinct. Um So he did a lot. And there was a, a newspaper, Hollywood, what was it called? Hollywood Free, Free Press? Press? Hollywood Free Press. Dwayne
1: Peterson.
2: Dwayne Peterson was a, another leader in the Jesus People movement. And he was a preacher. And um, there was a a newspaper that came out probably weekly, um, and, and Greg Laurie had a lot of his his uh, cartoons in there, and um, just stories about transformation and mm-hmm. things that Jesus was doing, so it was just, you know, it was just spreading like wildfire.
1: Mm-hmm. One thing about Chuck, um, and I didn't have personal interaction with him, but you You could see him casually talking to people. And here was this older guy. You know, we were all 19, 18, 20-year-olds. And and he talked like a surfer uh, (laughs) when it was casual. And yet, um, I think Chuck always was a very good Bible expositor. And uh, and the other thing, Love Song uh, as a band, even in those early days, was i think a little bit better than what the movie portrayed him as <laughs> they they were gonna maybe that's because our memories are 50 years old now <laughs> but uh and then one thing too about greg lori i and you may know this already but at that time he had shoulder length red hair hmm. and a big red beard hmm. and uh when people Not see like him, people see him today they don't they don't uh think about greg looking like that. <laughs> Yeah. And, of course,
2: Donnie had a big, big blonde fro. <laughs> <laughs> He's changed just a little bit, through over the years. A little bit. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. What did you think of the portrayal of Lonnie in the movie, especially because he, halfway through, kind of turned into a, not an antagonistic character, but a little bit of a dramatic character, and that caused some tension between him and Chuck. Um, not necessarily if that was accurate or all, but what did you think of that, since you had... Such a high view of him as an actual person and how he was portrayed in the movie.
2: Well, we didn't, you know, of course, we didn't know anything about any yeah, of that yeah. back then. But we do know that um, there were there was some conflict later on, um, and I don't remember specifically what it was. But at some point, they just well, Lonnie left to go join John Wimber's church, the Vineyard. For a while, mm-hmm. um, and I, I got the impression from what I had read that Chuck Smith was not for that at the at the time. Mm. Um, but then, and I think well, I may have come back later. I I just don't remember all those facts. So, and he he did, you know, he had he really had fell into some sin um, later on, and. Um, it was just a very tragic thing. He, um, at some point, he was reunited with Chuck and it wasn't until really, from, from, from what I've heard, it wasn't until he was dying of AIDS that he really came back to the Lord. Hmm. Um, and he, on his deathbed, there was like a deathbed confession. And um, hmm. Chuck Smith spoke at Lonnie's funeral um, amongst among others, and and um, he just he made a, he made some comment like uh, you know Lonnie he didn't really reach his full potential as because he was so gifted. I mean the, the the Holy Spirit had really gifted him in a lot of ways. I mean he had no formal training, and his his preaching was just um, very powerful. But so the you know in, in the end it was. He came back, but it was he. He there were several years there. Where he he had really strayed. Mm-hmm. And thank the Lord, Chuck Smith was the mainstay through the whole thing. And you um, know, was You know, it wasn't you know, was like Lonnie had this big following that pulled people away. It, you know, they stayed. Um, you know, new Calvary Chapel churches started. You know, there's there's 1,400 now. It really it really mushroomed after that.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it was the testimony to really that uh, Jesus was at the center of mm-hmm. that movement, mm-hmm. and that's why it, it did stay together um, even as personalities like Lonnie's did. And, and and the movie I think properly portrayed that he kind of got into his own thing, and and that's when the conflict started between he and the uh, leadership at Calvary Chapel. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that was legitimately uh, portrayed mm-hmm. that that really happened. And
2: yeah, yeah, so, yeah they didn't, they didn't cut co- is it's not a cover up, They but they didn't in, include that in the in the storyline. Um, but there's an interview online with Greg Laurie talking about Lonnie, and um, kind of explaining that whole thing. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, the in the movie, they they came to a disagreement because Chuck felt that Lonnie was making it too much about himself, and even Lonnie had that pride to say this yeah. this revolution wouldn't happen without me. And Chuck mm-hmm. was like, "Well, then, then you have no place here." Um, so yeah. maybe that was a little bit dramatic for the movie, but I feel like it yeah. was at least based in uh, some truth. Yeah, right. Yeah.
1: right.
2: I just, you know, I, I just think of how, I mean, it really was a true revival, you know, not just in California, but all over the country and and other other countries um and just the the music itself was it was such a a launch of that whole genre of christian music that continues to this day you know it's um i remember collecting all the albums and you know we still listen on youtube to some of that stuff Mm, and just in a lot of ways it changed it changed a lot of lives have changed a lot of the methods of reaching people and you know because it worked and we're we're excited we're you know because we just feel like you know god is working again he's you know we've prayed for revival for years and um just thinking back to those days and how it was just such a privilege to be a part of that whole thing and you know it wasn't planned out it wasn't orchestrated it was just the Lord moved and poured out His Spirit, and that's what we're praying for. And we believe it's happening. We, you know, we we hear it, and we uh, we want to be a part of whatever God is doing. And it's it, it you know you, we don't put God in a box and expect it's going to look like it did then because it's it's always different and new and. Um, but we're hoping for many lives to be changed and it, who knows where where it's leading and what what god has in mind but we know it's good mm-hmm. so yeah
0: i believe it he will move in only the ways that he can and uh mm-hmm. yeah we should yeah. we should encourage that and pray for that yeah that's right well thank you guys so much for talking with me it's great to hear a first-hand account of what uh actually happened and what your experiences were i'm I'm glad we were able to talk uh, today.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. a privilege. Thank yeah. you.
0: Wrapping it all up. Let us know what you guys think on our Discord. Join that. We got a great community there. Follow our Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook. We're everywhere. You can't not find us. We have video episodes on YouTube if you want to check that out. Share this with your friends. Follow us. Give us five stars, whatever the platform has. With that, we love you guys. Hope you have a great day. God bless. You too. See See ya.